Welcome to the Harrison Faith Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Brian Herring. It's our prayer. This message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. You're new here today. This is your first time visiting. I am the Pastor Brian Herring. I'm the lead pastor here, but I'm not preaching today. I'm handing off, and I don't like handing off the pulpit unless someone's really got something good to say and someone we really care about and think a lot of on a Sunday morning. And so for those who have been long-term members here, uh, no stranger, Jimmy and Renata White are home people here. They, uh, they actually uh, were on staff here for years as youth pastor, associate pastor, and he paved the way for uh, guys like me. Appreciate that. And uh, in fact, uh, they have such a... Uh, just a wonderful influence here in our church. So many people remember all the things they've done and all the lives that they were involved with while they were here. And uh, they've even got their favorite son with them because the other one's somewhere else ministering as a kid's pastor. Uh, Anyway, but (laughs) this is their favorite son. Uh, And his girlfriend, we're glad to have you guys as well. Uh, But we're going to, when we knew we were going to be making a pledge uh, uh, for fire bibles and and for many things, I thought nobody better could help raise money uh, for this than Jimmy White. And so we are kicking off this season because this month is our heart for the house. And we want to talk about what our church is about in 2020. 21. And number one thing it is, is the same thing that Simplest God kicked off is missions. We believe in reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, hands down. And so we, we, if, if they come here on a Sunday needing Jesus or we have to reach around the world to help them find Jesus, we believe in that. And so we are raising money today to help get fire Bibles around the world so that we can put it in people's hands so they can hear the gospel, so pastors can preach the gospel, many things. Uh, but I'm not going to sit all that away. But please give a warm Harrison Faith Church welcome to Jimmy White. Amen. How you doing, man? I've already had some conversations with him, oh. so it's too late. Wow, it's so good to be here. Uh, back at well, what a great job, you, Pastor Brian and Sandra. You've done with this sanctuary, the church, and you know, following following a lifelong pastor. I could t- assure you that's not an easy task to do. I followed someone that's been there 28 years when I went to Texarkana. And so Pastor Brian what a, and Sandra, what a great job. Love the, love the new look and, and all those kinds of things. Thank you for the invitation. It was uh, 31 years ago that this little blonde-headed lady and I drove into this town. And the only people we knew were Fred and Carolyn Wool. And, and really, Renata knew them because Renata was in his youth group and their youth group back in Paris, Arkansas, and I was just kind of drafted in, grafted in. I don't know if he liked me or not, but he loved my father-in-law, and that was, and my father-in-law liked me, so that was good enough for them, I think, maybe, perhaps. And Fred helped us get two houses here, one on the south side of town and one right back here, and so we glad to see Fred and Carolyn here, and Ricky and Ruth Ann are here, and and uh, Sam, and I would say Amy, but she's not here yet. And so I tell you, Donnie, these two were my, my first youth sponsors here, and so good good to have them. They put up with me and helped Renata and I. And it is good to have my son with me. You know, I, I kind of threatened him to come. to No, he said he would come today. And so that we we're glad. He, even though he had to get up real early, he got up at the crack of 730. Yeah. And... Uh, he got just jumped in. He still beat his mama getting dressed and was there. And then Morgan's with us. She's our evangel daughter that just kind of hangs out at our house every time she can. She uh, 
she eats us out of house and hold along with, uh, we have an adopted son that lives with us, and then Morgan lives at Evangelist. She kind of hangs out. I thought because she, she liked Renata and me, but it's because of Jathan, so that she's hanging out with him. I want you to open your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 30 through 44, and I'm so glad you're here. If you're watching online, thank you so much for taking the opportunity and time to, to be with us today. My name is Jimmy. And uh, right now, I, I'm in Springfield, Missouri. I do lots of things. My primary uh, role is serving as the Men's Discipleship Director, where we've created 300 discipleship resources that are free. We're in 30, over 31 countries that people can just go and download our stuff for free. And so men are being discipled around the world. And so that's my main, one of my main jobs. But I also travel for Light for the Lost. And I do church health stuff, and I also do uh, lead trips to the Holy Land. So that's that, all those kinds of things. I've had interesting assignments my whole life. I don't know about you, but I mean, I have interesting assignments. I still remember. I still remember in the eighth grade. In the eighth grade, I know it's been for some of you young folks here. You think, man, hey, that must have been a lot of years ago. It was. In the eighth grade, I had this interesting assignment to write. I had to write poetry in my English class. And I don't know about you, but I'm not the most poetic person in the world. But my grade depended upon me writing poetry. So all I knew to do was to write something like roses are red and violets are blue. And, you know, I don't even know what I made. It was interesting. In the 10th grade, I had another interesting assignment. It was the dreaded Algebra 2. I, I, I don't even know why God made Algebra 2. I don't even know why we have Algebra 2 there. I know there are some of you that enjoy that kind of stuff. I have no idea why you would, but that's an interesting assignment. I was in that class, and there are, my teacher and was there, and and I just, uh, you know, there, there are times, and it's, you know, on this side of the coin, Renata went to school at College of the Ozarks. She's a teacher. But on this side of this coin, I, understand, I thought teachers were mean. And I thought, why would I have to study Algebra 2? And I just didn't, I just didn't, I mean, that was so, I just didn't get it. I told my mom I didn't want to be in Algebra 2. The only time my mom took up for me with a school teacher, every other time I got in trouble. It's the only time she took up with me. She in the 10th grade. She went in there and she said, you know, you two just aren't G-hawing. And I think that he needs to be in a different class and not do Algebra 2 in your class. And she looked at her and said, he will never amount to anything if he doesn't do Algebra 2. Interesting assignment. I mean, 12th grade. I remember that assignment. The 12th grade comes, and I, I'm one of those guys that enjoyed high school. I mean, I was on the football team. I was, we had a class of, we were 425 in my senior class, and I was on that football team. I was popular. I, was, I, mean, I mean, people, listen, I, I hate to admit, I don't even know if I've admitted this in front of my wife or not, but I actually had two different times I went to proms and made the girls pay for it. I mean, because I was a popular guy. I mean, they, if they wanted me to go with them, they had to do that. I mean, what an interest. I mean, I had to get motivated to finish high school because I was having fun. What an interesting assignment. When we come to Mark chapter 6, Jesus gives the disciples an interesting assignment. 
it becomes clear to Jesus that the multitude had gathered and the day was quickly coming to an end and there was no food for the, for the people to eat. The disciples asked, looked at Jesus and said, hey, what are you going to do? There are 5,000 people here and we need to know what we should do with them. Jesus, in verse number 37, looks at his disciples and he says, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Now, I don't know about you. This was before McDonald's. This was before Taco Bell. This was before Walmart. This was before all this stuff. I mean, you just didn't go. And he said, you give them something to eat. I don't know about you, but if there's just 12 of us and there are 5,000 of them and I'm supposed to feed them, I'm, I'm kind of curious trying to figure out how I'm going to feed 5,000 people with just 12 of us. Suddenly, a little boy appears without, with a basket lunch, and he has this whopping five loaves and two fish to feed 5,000 people. I don't know about you, but I would think, man, that's a, that's a pretty interesting assignment. I've got to feed 5,000 people, and I've got five loaves, and I've got two fish. I, I mean, I, sure, I'm going to be able to do that. The disciples were given this task to feed the people with this little, and this little boy's lunch was going to be the answer. Now, I don't know, in my mind, it would have gone from, from interesting to seemingly impossible. And much like you and I, much like those disciples, you and I have been given an assignment from Jesus that is significant, it's clear, it's distinct, and yet it has moved from an interesting assignment to a seemingly impossible assignment. One of the, two of the core values of this church is that God's Bible or God's Word is the guidebook for living and every soul matters to God. Every soul matters to God. Every soul matters to God. This is a value of this church that every soul matters to God, which means it's more than just those around you. Every soul matters to God. And God says, that's great. That is so incredible, Faith. This is such, this, Harrison, we just, Harrison, Faith, we, that is so great that that's a value of yours. Here's your assignment then. If every soul matters to a God, then your assignment is for you to reach out to the whole world, not just the people of this community. Oh, wait a minute now. Time out, Jimmy. I don't mean, Pastor Brian, I don't know. You brought this dude in from Springfield just because he used to be a youth pastor here. And you're saying to me, we've got to reach the whole world. Come on now. I don't have the money to reach the whole world. I'm too young to reach the whole world. There's no way that I can do that. I mean, I'm a mom with small kids. How could I possibly reach the whole world? Or, or maybe I, I'm older in years and poor in health, and reaching the world seems like an impossible task. You and I are part of this great missions partnership. Every month, Pastor Brian stands up here, and Pastor Sandra tell you that you, and you have given a commitment have a heart for his work. Have, have, a, have a heart for his house. And, and, and they, they ask you to make a commitment to this church for missionaries. And every month you give a check or you text to give or you, you give some cash, wherever it is that you give. And then, and then this church sends that money to Springfield and then money is placed in a missionary's account to help sustain them and keep them to reach out to the whole world because you have a value of every soul matters to God. 
because you stood up behind this pulpit and said, I believe that every soul matters to God because you signed a membership covenant that says, we believe every soul matters to God. Every time you give money, Pastor Brian then mails it in and people's lives are touched because you believe that every soul is matter, matters to God. However, once missionaries get to their assigned field, that their work doesn't end. In addition to monthly ministry support, missionaries need additional resources to help fulfill the purpose of why they are on the field. This is why we're here today, to give you an opportunity, Pastor Brian's already said, to, to partner with missionaries to help them fulfill their, their calling, their purpose in life through Light for the Lost and Fire Bibles. Now, I don't know if you've, I'm, I'm going to presuppose that you have not heard the history of Light for the Lost, and I want to give you a little history of that. Light for the Lost began in 1953. It began in California, in Santa Ana, California, and it, it, it was an inspiring story. In 1953, seven businessmen, one of them an insurance businessman, comes down to an altar on a Sunday night in First Assembly of God in Santa Ana, California. It was at that altar where he had an encounter with God, a transformation with God, and Sam Cochran has a vision. And in that vision, he sees some, the flames of hell, and people are crying out, give me the book, give me the book, give me the book. Sam Cochran's a businessman. He, there wasn't a preacher in the bunch. They just knew they had a vision from God that every soul mattered to God. And the Bible should be the guidebook for living for everybody's life. Sam Cochran takes up an offering and they give $300 in 1953 to Light for the Law. That's where it all began. In the altar that night. That's, that, I mean, it, it, was, it just shook them so badly in that vision. The Lord was so very gracious to the mission connections of the Assemblies of God, including Life for the Lost. And, and coming on your screen, just if you don't know, what, if you don't know, here, here's today, Life for the Lost is an evangelistic resource because we believe every soul matters to God just like you believe every soul matters to God. I said, let me try this side. I, I, we believe every soul matters to God just like you believe every soul matters to God. And so we come together and partner through five different platforms, through print and through audio, through video, through internet, and through technologies. And, and Pastor Brian had mentioned that, that in the COVID year, in the light for the loss in the COVID year increased over 2% two, uh, 2 of money, which means together in 2020, in the midst of a pandemic, instead of going down, we went up to over $6,349,000 because people like you sat in a church service like this and said, you know what? We believe that every soul matters to God and we're going to do something about the lost people over in over in Africa and the lost people right down the road and the lost people on the college campus and the lost people in our high school and the lost people over in uh, over in the Middle East because we believe every soul matters to God since 1953 and that $300 offering life for the lost has raised over 340 million dollars to, to, to reach people. Now here's what I want to hear I want you to hear. 
is that we can report with full assurance for the first time in Light for the Lost history that every second of every day, including every holiday, somebody will be actively using a Light for the Lost resource to discover who Jesus is or learning more about him that will eternally affect their world. Now look, at the slide's coming up there. Get it, every second of every day. Look at that. Every second of every day, somebody somewhere understands that every soul matters to God. And so every second of every day, somebody is using light for the lost material so because their soul matters. Because their soul matters. Because their soul matters. So because their soul matters, we have partnered together with churches just like you. Now, this could only happen because people like you invest in light for the lost. I left here when I came here. I didn't really, I knew a little bit about missions, didn't really know a lot. When I came here, I followed a youth pastor, the Greg Abels, who now pastors in Oklahoma. And he had begun a, uh, a, a fireworks tent. I want to tell you, I think that's of the devil. I'm just telling you right now. It wasn't just, I mean, but I mean, it, I mean, it was, it was, that was hard work. I got to tell you, I'm not, a, I've never been a night, I've always, my wife says I'm an old soul, and I always have been an old soul. When nine o'clock comes, Papa's looking for the bed. I mean, I'm like, I am ready to go to bed right now. As a matter of fact, we had an we had an event at our house one time, our little duplex over there by the community college that we lived in. When we first came here, and we were having an event, and it was nine o'clock. And I said, "Renata, it's all yours. I'm going to bed." And all I mean, we had 25 kids at our house, and I said, I, I, "Peace out, baby. I'm gone." <laughs> I followed this guy that raised. I mean, speed the light. He raised money for speed the light. I mean, I, and I'm, I'm a little competitive, and he raised this amount, and I got, I'm gonna, I got to top that. And I, we spent nights in that fireworks tent. We set up those fire. We sweat. We pour, I mean, it was a lot of work, and that's where I got introduced to missions. When I left here, I went to Faith Assembly in Searcy, and we continued to give to missions, and even at a, even at a level that, because that was my first pastorate, so, so I, it was more than just Speed the Light. It was BGMC. It was Speed the Light. It was Life for the Lost. It was missionary, and so we kept raising, and then I moved to Texarkana, Texas, and we, we just came, and, and people, I mean, I just, I, it was here that I grabbed a vision for missions. It was in this church that I knew that in this place, we may not have articulated it this way, but it was here where I first understood that every soul mattered to God. I'm in Texarkana, I'm telling, and, and I, the, I mean, I just love missions. And people grabbed a hold of the vision, and they were give, they would give fifty dollars, or seventy-five dollars, or a hundred dollars, and they would just give, and they would just give, and they would just give. I had a retire. I had a lady in our church that she didn't work. She there's no way. Every time we did Fire Bible Sunday, she would say, "Pastor, put me down for ten thousand. And every year, every year, she would come down here. She didn't work. Her husband worked a job. She didn't work a job. Every year, she would call. At, right in December, she would call my wife out of the sanctuary, and my wife would have to go out into the foyer, and that woman would have ten thousand dollars in cash that she would bring, and I would say, I don't know if I want to ask her where she got that. I said, where do you get that? 
Sister Ivory, where did you get this money? I mean, your, your husband's the only one that works. I said, how did you get that? She said, I just tell my kids and my grandkids, I'm raising money for Bibles, and so you're going to put money in the kitty. And I said, well, you must, I need you to take up the offering because if you can get your kids who don't even go to church to give $10,000 from about May to December, I want to know your secrets. She said, I just pray, and the Holy Spirit speaks to me, and I just look at them and say, you got to give me five. 1,000, 1,600, whatever. And she did, that's what she did. That's how she raised her $10,000. said, man, I'm doing this wrong. We caught the vision of light for the lost and giving. And then in 2004, 2005, we, gave, uh, we, gave, we led in the top five in the nation in light for the lost giving. In 13 years, we gave over $500,000 to light for the lost. You may be here today and you go, man, Pastor Brian's already talking about giving and you're talking about giving and I, I look at my income and, and Jimmy, I just don't know how I can give anything. Whatever I give, Jimmy, it's not, it's not going to amount to a whole lot. I mean, I just have five bucks. I just got, that's all I can give. I'm here to tell you when you, when, I'm not looking for a transaction, I'm looking for a transformational gift. And it doesn't matter the amount. It matters that you understand the eternal impact that's given. So all I got is five bucks. Look at this picture up here. This picture up here coming next is a picture of Cabo Bruno. Cabo Bruno was a rogue police officer in Brazil. Cabo Bruno means Corporal Bruno in Portuguese. That's what the, the newspaper in Brazil gave him. For years, he was sought after by the police. He was going around, he was killing gang members as a police officer who, uh, who had been released early from prison. When he was arrested, he confessed to more than 100 murders. When Cabo Bruno was caught, all, they, they couldn't find a, enough, uh, enough evidence to charge him for the 100 murders, only 50. <laughs> so they sentenced him to 128 years in solitary confinement. He's in a small cell in solitary confinement where, where just, he just had one light bulb. And that one light bulb that sat in the middle of his cell was only on for 10, for 10 hours a day. There was a small door in the bottom of his cell door. That's where food and water were brought to him two times a day. In 1992, his door flings open and two Pentecostal women are there. They came from a Pentecostal church in Brazil, and they look at him, and they point their little, I mean, you know, when you get Pentecostal women, you know, I mean, you know, seriously, you know, here I'm saying, when you get Pentecostal women, they start pointing that finger at you, and they look to him, I mean, Pentecostal women, they're not afraid of a, a murderer, they're not, I mean, they'll walk in anywhere. And they walked in and said, Cabo Bruno, God has sent us to you with a message that God loves you with an everlasting love, and he wants you to read his word. Why? Because they knew that the Bible was our guidebook for living. They may not have said it in the terms like you say it as a value, but they knew that that day. And so two women hand him a Bible and they leave. For he, he's in solitary confinement. He has nothing else to do. So he starts reading the Bible for 10 hours a day when the light's on. Cabo Bruno said, Cabo Bruno said my least favorite book was the book of concordance. He said, I understood a lot of the other stuff, but that concordance book, I, it was frustrating. He gets through the part of the book of concordance, and he gets frustrated. He slams the Bible down on his bed. 
And out of that book flies a little track that had been left in there that he never noticed. And that track was entitled The Great Questions of Life, which was written in Portuguese from Light for the Lost Funds. You say, Jimmy, all I have is maybe five bucks or ten bucks. That little, that little brochure only costs a couple of bucks. And that little brochure led them through the Romans road and asking questions and answering questions like, why am I here? Is God real? How can I be saved? As he's reading this track he, and he reads the scripture, the light clicks on for him. He gets an understanding of what salvation is all about and why he needs to be saved. Cabo Bruno in his jail cell kneels there and cries out, God, if you can save someone like me, a murderer of over a hundred people, an evil man my entire life, then save me. Jesus comes in and transforms his life. He begins to lay on that, on that floor, lift the door flap at the bottom of his cell, and this he begins to read Scripture out loud to the top of his lungs so the other prisoners whom he put in there, some of them he put in there, he began to preach to them. He began to share his story with them. Here was his sermon. His sermon wasn't very long. I am Cabo Bruno, a former police officer that was killing many of your friends out on the street. But Jesus Christ has changed my life because every soul matters to God. And for the first weeks, people in the cell block would shout and cuss him and try to drown out his voice. But he kept sharing, and he kept sharing, and he kept sharing, and he kept sharing. And after a couple of months, the officers of the cell block noticed that there was silence when Cabo Bruno would read the Word of God. And as the guards would, would, would silently walk the cell block while Cabo Bruno was reading the Scriptures, they could hear sobbing coming from the cell blocks of these prisoners. And the prisoners started requesting Bibles because they wanted to have a copy of that same book that Cabo Bruno was reading to them. And that was, the, that was the beginning of an incredible journey of Cabo Bruno becoming the chaplain. Look at this next picture. Here's what he ends up like. And, and, and over about 20 years, he leads hundreds, if not thousands of people in that prison and around the world to Jesus Christ because he had the same value that this church did, does, that every soul matters to God. And I'm going to do something about every soul mattering to God. But listen, it just didn't start with Cabo Bruno. Bruno, it started in a service like this when somebody just had a couple of bucks to put in the offering and we took that couple of bucks because we believe every soul matters to God. We put it in the offering and the pastor mails it in and then we mail it down to get translations going on and because this process begins to, to continue forward, somebody somewhere gets in him, in his face and they lead him to the Lord in a cell room that the Holy Spirit does and God moves in a miraculous way. Every prayer, every gift you invest is an act of love. Thank you. Thank you, faith, because you believe that every soul matters to God. Here's another picture coming up, and I could tell story after story. This is a Muslim country that I can't name publicly in a part of a world that you, you would know. It's a massive underground church planting going on. Little house churches being t t uh, built 
I, I can't tell because we're, we are on the internet and, and watching. I can't tell the full story, but if you come after service, I'll tell you more of the story. But, but leaders are, we, we, we're, we started getting reports of leaders having supernatural encounters with God and filled with the Holy Spirit. They, didn't even have a, they don't even have a preacher. You mean God could do that without a preacher? Yeah. Here's what would happen. Radical Muslims would have dreams. And in that dream, Jesus would appear to them and tell them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the God. I am the only God, and you should serve me. And people, get, people we've got documented proof, people from Hamas, from Hezbollah, from Al-Qaeda, from ISIS. I mean, every terrorist group you can think of. Because people came to a meeting like this, and they came and they said, you know what? And we've printed a Bible the Gospel of John, and we've given to them. It's a, it's, I've got one on the back table out there. It's a little thin Bible back there. And we give it to them in their language so that they can look at that and see that through those dreams. People that even, you don't even have a clue who, who we're reaching are being reached. I... I when I read the, and I hear the story of one of the earliest converts, a radical Muslim community leader who had sons in terrorist organizations, he had a dream of Jesus one night. Jesus spoke to him and said, I am the one true God. You need to follow and serve me. I'll commission you to tell others about me. This sheikh, uh, he, I'll call him Abdullah, had several dreams of Jesus before he decided to convert and follow him. Abdullah would go back to the mosque and he would begin to tell people about his dreams of Jesus and become a follower of Christ. They grabbed Abdullah and beat him unconscious and the family came and, and they drug, drug him back to his house after they beat him up. The next day, Abdullah would go back to the mosque, and he was, he was bloodied and bruised from the previous day, and he would stand up and said, I forgive all of you because Jesus has come into my life, and he's given me the power to love even people who hate me. And I want everyone here to experience the same Jesus that I know and understand and serve. One time, they grabbed him, they took his boots off of him, and they took iron rods, and they beat his feet, the bottom of his feet. They had beat him so badly that one of his one of his uh, one foot had to be amputated, and the other one is ruined so badly he'll never be able to walk again. They came later after he was in this condition to his home and they beat him until he was in a coma. They raped his wife in front of his kids and they put his entire family under house arrest. They were smuggled out of the country and then now now live somewhere else as disabled. But it all happened because people like you sat in a service like this and said we have a value that the Bible is a guidebook for living and every soul matters to God and we're going to do something to reach people with the, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or maybe it's like this next picture you see of beauty. Beauty was, res as, was rescued from human trafficking from, from Nigeria. She was headed to Spain. Spain is the number two trafficked uh, nation behind India. And so when beauty comes to Spain, she comes under the pretense of being a nanny 
only to find out when she gets to where she's going, they look at her and say, you owe us your $60,000, $70,000 for your freedom that's here. They put her on the streets, and God works such a miracle in her life. I love what Beth Grant says. I think the, 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 we have this on a slide for you. Beth Grant, who's the director of Project Rescue, says we can take a girl out of the brothel, but only the Holy Spirit can take the brothel out of a girl. People like Beauty are there and, and coming, and <clears throat> she comes, and she finally gives her heart to Christ. She goes back to her Muslim family, her mom and dad in Nigeria. She tells them this, her story. They give her heart, their heart to Jesus Christ. Today she's married to an Assembly of God pastor in Spain. She went, she's going or finishing nursing school so she could be a nurse, so she can help girls who are being trafficked just like she was. Because, yeah. Because people like you came to a service like this and said, you know what? We have a value that every that the Bible is a guidebook for living. And every soul matters to God. And we're going to do, we, we really have the easy part. We just have to give. They have the hard part. They have missionaries and people like that. They have to live and go in this area. You're here today because Pastor Brian believes in fire Bibles. He believes. And he, the, the Bible is the guidebook for living. He doesn't just believe it for this church. He believes it for around the world. He believes not that if this is going to be a value of this church, then when you give, it ought to be that way as well. You're, if that's, you're giving to your value. You're giving to make a difference in lives. In just a few minutes, we're going to take up a faith promise, or maybe you're here to give. I have back there, I think it's about 12 Bibles, fire Bibles that you can look on the way out. I have fire Bibles from China. I have fire Bibles from, um, I have fire Bibles from uh, in, uh, in Greek and in Hebrew. I have fire Bibles from Farsi. I have fire Bibles. I just, all over the place, I have fire Bibles. Now, if you can read those, I'll really be really impressed. So I don't even know if they're turned right. But here's what, every time I look at those in my office, I know this made an impact and a difference in the lives of people. Sam came up to me and said, I got my fire Bible. He has an English fire Bible. The fire Bible has 77 articles that were what was written by uh, Dr. Stamps, a missionary, and notes that are there. Armenia came to us and they said, we, we, need a, we want a fire Bible. Everybody else get a fire Bible. We want a fire Bible. The problem is, is their fire Bible is outdated. In 403 AD, the Armenian alphabet was created for the sole purpose of making it possible to have their, their scripture in their own language, 403 AD. In 2019, the current Armenian translation of the Bible is no longer the, the daily conversation, that, the, the daily language that they use every day. So lay people can't understand the key doctrines when they read their Bible. Every, if the Bible is our guidebook for living, and that's what this church believes is a core value, and that every soul matters to God, so do the churches in Armenia. 
The pastors in Armenia can't adequately or confidently preach from the current Armenian Bible. So they have to, here's what they have to do. Pastor Brian, they have to study in Russian, and then they have to preach in Armenian. So if you're trying to figure out all this, so they have to read the Bible the first time in, in Russian. Now, that's, that when this is after their study, so if they do any Greek, Hebrew, and all that. So then they've got to read it in Russian so that they can then preach in Armenian so that people in the church could understand what's being communicated. Because they believe every soul matters to God, and they believe that the Bible is the guidebook for living. They have such a hunger and a passion to know and study the Word of God in their original language. Here's a video I want you to watch, and then we're going to come back and we're going to close. I am Artak, an Armenian pastor, and I have a problem. I can't adequately study or preach God's word in my heart language. Why? Let me illustrate. Он сказал им, идите по всему миру и восвещайте радостную весть всем людям. That was Mark 16, in Russian. Why not Armenian, you ask? Because the most commonly used Armenian translation of the Bible is 150 years old, and I don't understand it. The Armenian language has changed much over 150 years, but our Bible translation has not. Pastors like me, who want to preach the Word of God correctly, must first master the Russian language, so we can then preach in Armenian. Our alphabet was created in 405 AD for one purpose, one purpose, so we could read and study the Holy Scriptures. It is sad then that we have no study Bible with notes, helpful articles, or concordance in the language we use every day. And another thing, so many people are coming to Jesus in Armenia, and we have hundreds preparing for ministry and missions. A mighty missions force is forming in Armenia. But what tools will we give to our missionaries? Here is one. The Fire Bible. I hear it is called Fire Bible because Chinese pastors receive it and say, it is fire in our hands. Well, Armenians want this fire too, in our heart language, in our hands. Thankfully, Light for the Lost and the Fire Bible team are helping us make this Fire Bible available in Armenia. Not just study notes and articles, all of it. This project is very big. The full scripture text is also being translated. We need the Fire Bible. We yearn for it. We cannot wait for the day when Armenian Fire Bible is ready. No more second languages just to study. Soon, the Word of God will again be faithfully written in Armenian, all of it. With God's blessing and help from light for the lost, we will have this book of fire 
in our heart language. Then we will be able to study. Pastors, lay people, the young, the old, all of us. God will breathe new life into our nation and we will go as missionaries to the surrounding nations. Thank you for putting this fire in our hands. The Fire Bible is the number one fire Pentecostal study Bible in the world. It's in 78 heart languages and 57 editions. People ask me all the time, just go ahead and come on and begin to play. I get asked this question all the time. Do you ever miss being a pastor? Do you ever miss being behind the pulpit? I got to be honest with you. There are days when I miss the pulpit. When I hear stories about Cabo Bruno like I shared with you, when I hear stories of the upper room like I shared with you, when I hear stories of the Armenia Fire Bible and different other translations that we're working on, when I hear stories of beauty and the different things, and I, I wonder how much could we have given? How many lives could we have touched? Who would be the person that would impact me where that, that I would never forget. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus took a little basket and he multiplied the loaves and fish and then he gave it to the disciples. He had the disciples or had the people to sit down in companies of 50 and Jesus once again looks at his disciples and says, now you give take the food and you give it to those who are hungry. After Jesus supplied the food, the food was distributed and everybody was well fed. See, you and I are meant to just be conduits. We are meant to be people that, that the Holy Spirit can deposit things in our life and, and live a life that we can impact other people. And it goes beyond the walls of this church and it goes all around the world. And once you get the heart for missions, and once you get the heart of just, just allowing the Holy Spirit to just flow through you and you just say, you know what, I'm just, a, I'm just the conduit, lies become touched and challenged. Our middle child, our oldest son, who's a youth pastor in in Hot Springs. When we were here, our daughter was born, just to give you an update there, Jocelyn, she, she is a campus pastor, she and her husband over in Springdale. Our middle son, he, you know, we, we have three kids, Jathan's the youngest, and then Jordan is the middle child, and Jocelyn's the oldest. You know, Jocelyn came along, Jordan, and you know, how many, you know, when you get middle kids, they're just like the peacemakers. How many middle kids do we have here? We have middle, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? You just, you're like unseen a lot of time. By the time Jathan came along, we didn't care about being fair. We just wanted quiet. Because when you get three kids, you don't care about all this. You just want to, just, we just want to survive. 
We've always tried to train our kids to be, have a heart for that they're conduits. They're not, they're, it's not supposed to stop with you. You're, you're to look and to be transformational in your giving, to give to people because you're the conduit. God has blessed you just like that, the food, but now you go give them something to eat. Jordan's in a mission service and he had been saving. We did the whole Dave Ramsey thing about the car, you know, like we're going to match up to $5,000, whatever you raise, we're going to do that because we don't, I mean, we don't want to spoil our kids. We, I mean, we just want them to understand, you know, you got to, you need to, you need to figure this stuff out. Life's not always going to be fair and easy. So he's working at McAllister's Deli. If you're not familiar with that, it's just like a little deli place. I mean, minimum wage, he's saving money. I think he's up to about $3,000. I mean, I'm calculating in this in my head. I've got three kids, and I'm trying to calculate, okay, how much money am I going to have to come up with? He understood transformational giving. He understood that, that he is just the conduit. He was in a service just like this. Fifteen years old, and he's in a service just like this. And I'm telling the story because there's a lot of young people sitting in here. And you need to hear you need to understand that God could use you to be transformational exactly where you live right now. He writes a check for $3,000. He gives it all. He thought his mom would be proud of him. We're preacher's kids. I mean, they're preacher's kids. We're pastors. We're supposed to have lots of faith, right? Our kids walk on water. Our kids never mess up. Our kids are never fail, right? That's how pastor's kids are. I mean, they're, they're just like, you know, they're just way up here. Well, it wasn't in our house. Maybe we did something wrong. But, but he comes home. And he tells his mom, Mom, I was sitting in that service, and I just felt the Holy Spirit just speak to me. In just a moment, we're going to ask you to give. We're going to ask you to pray and ask the Holy Spirit, what can you commit to August the 1st? You have to August the 1st to give this. He said, I felt the Holy Spirit, Sam. He said, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, give it all. His mother's like, oh, that, yeah, give it. How much is all? $3,000. Oh, yeah. Sure. She doesn't want to crush him. She waits till I get home. He goes to his room, and he come, I come walking in, and she said, you've got to talk to your son right now. And I thought, what has he done? I mean, the middle child, the calm, the cool, collect. I mean, the one that doesn't want to cause tension anywhere. She said, do you know what he did? I said, well, he wrote out a check for missions. He said, he felt like the Lord said, give it all. He said, can you believe that he did that? I can't believe that he did that. He is, I can't, I mean, if he wanted to give 500, if he wanted to give 750, I mean, that would have been okay. But do you need to talk to him? Because one day he's going to have our grandkids. And if he starts just giving away money like that, we're going to have to take care of them and we're going to have to feed them. And you better just go talk to him right Right now because he needs you to talk to him we're the pastor what am I going to say I've got a lady that doesn't even work gives him 10,000 a year and he's going to give three I mean I, I mean I, I used to preach all, I preached it when I was here to the to your kids McDonald's is the, Nike doesn't t take a back seat for asking for your kids for money why should we 
So I go in there, I say, my son, your, your mom wants me to talk to you, and I just, you know, just make sure you hear from the Holy Spirit, okay? Okay, all right, all right, good. I'll tell her I talk to you, okay? All right. His adopted grandfather is in Cersei, and I'm in California, and he calls me, and he says, he, 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 he told, well, let me back up. Jordan had told his mom, he said, Mom, I just, God just said, because, because I'm faithful, because I'm faithful, because God's faithful, God, I'm going to do this. 15 years old, he, he clears it out. He doesn't have a dime to his name. I'm in, I'm say, I'm trying to save up for, I'm trying to save up my $5,000 in case he raises $5,000 to, to match his car. His adopted grandfather calls me, I'm in California doing some things, and he calls me and said, what's that deal you have with your kids about, you know, raise, yeah, if we raise $5,000, you know, da, 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 da. He said, the Holy Spirit woke me up about 3 o'clock this morning. And he wants me to send him a check for $5,000. Something about because God is faithful. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. I'm ticked at this point. Because I'm so far, I'm only out three grand, and now because of my wife's, uh, you know, just this little thing, I, I, at least I blamed her. I'm going to be out two additional grand. He writes a check to my son and says, "Because God is faithful, five thousand dollars." My son, the middle child, who's always just kind of just calm, just just like, he gets the check. He walks into his mom. He looks at her and goes right there now listen in just a few moments we're going to ask you to give Jesus G Jesus is the one that supplies you're just the giver you're the conduit I'm not telling you you're going to get $5,000 but let me tell you the rest of the story because it has nothing to do with what I'm about to do but you might want to know he ended up getting his convertible Mustang that he wanted and I had to come up with two additional $2,000 because I don't know why but you know maybe when I get to heaven I'll have to ask I'm not saying you're going to get a Mustang. I'm not saying you're going to get $5,000. But I am going to say, if you believe in the value of this church, that every soul matters to God, and that the Bible is a guidebook for living, when you partner with Life for the Lost, that's, those are two things that we say, that's, that's right. And you become the conduit. So in just a few moments, we're going to pray. Don't, 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 don't get excited. Don't get ahead of me. You have to decide what it is that the Holy Spirit has given to you. What it is your sense the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you to pray in just a moment, and then Pastor Brian is going to come and finish it all this. We're going to have a text to give. You may be prepared to give right now. If you're not, there's some offering envelopes in one of those. I want, every, I want you to get one, and I want you to pull it out, and I want you to write your name. You have until August the 1st to make this pledge, to fit this faith promise. Now, here's what I want to tell you. It's a faith promise. It is a faith promise. So in other words, if you can do it, it's not faith. If you can write the check for $1,000 right now, it's not faith. It's a fact promise. It's a transaction. You were here today. You heard a sermon. You said, you know, I'm pretty touched by that, so I'm going to give. It's a faith promise. God, as you allow the Holy Spirit to flow through me, I'm just going to give what you've asked me to give. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be that way. So I want everybody to go, just reach in front of you and get, grab an envelope. Everybody, grab an envelope and hold it up right now. 
Come on, I want you to hold. You're watching online. Here's what we were going to ask you to do. You can get, you can put down your faith promise in a message to the church. You could put in that in that chat line to have one of the staff call you this week or email you this week, and 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 you can give a faith promise this way. But I want you to come on. I want everybody to grab one. I want you to hold it up right now. If you're ready to give, you can text to give right now. Come on, everybody. Every 10-year-old, every 12-year-old, every 15-year-old. Come on. I want you to grab, uh, grab it. I want you to hold it up right now. And I'm going to ask you to wait into the presence of God. Come on, I'm going to ask you. Come on, I want you to hold it up right now. I want you to hold it up. If you have to get up and find a, I mean, you may, you may have broken the rules and you're not sitting in where you're supposed to because one of those, some of those pews say don't sit here. And, and anyway, uh, you, so, so you, have, you may have to go in front of you and get one. Get up. I want you to get it. There's pins that are right there. Come on, I want you to hold it up. And just a few, you have until August 1st to give it. Come on, I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you right now. I'm not saying you have to give 10,000 like my little lady did. I'm not saying you have to give three like my son did. I'm not saying you have to, uh, you have, maybe it's 50, maybe it's 75. Maybe that's a, a faith promise for you. Maybe you're thinking, God, if, that, if I could just do that, I'll do it. But let me tell you, Pastor Brian wants to, he believes in Bibles and that's what he wants. Let me tell you this much, that $10, $10 will, uh, per Bible goes significantly to produce a fire Bible doesn't produce at all, but it goes, it goes a long way. So here's the rule of thumb before I ask you to pray. The rule, I did this every year. I was the first one to give. I, had, I, I asked my people to, to count up how many Bibles they had, and that ought to be, and add, multiply $10, and that ought to be your baseline right there. And now you have to count all of your Bibles that are on your computer and all your Bibles that are on your iPad and all your Bibles that are on your phone. And, all, and so I would have to count a lot of Bibles. I started giving away more Bibles. Like, oh, I need to give that away. So that's so. If you have twenty, if you have thirty, if you have forty, that's the baseline. So if you have thirty fire Bibles at ten dollars a piece, that's that's your baseline. You at least that much that you're going to write down and say by faith. If you're watching online, think about this is how many. If I have fifty fire, uh, fifty Bibles, I'm going to do five hundred for fire Bibles. Then you have to August first. So every time you give, just make sure you mark it light for the lost, LFTL, and give. Now I want you to hold it up. We're going to pray, and then Pastor Brian's going to come and give you instructions on how he wants to do this. Come on, hold your, hold your giving up right now. Come on, will you let the Holy Spirit just begin to touch you right now before you write anything down? We just need your name. And if you're here and your spouse is here, I need you to be in spiritual agreement. Look over to your spouse and say, I'm kind of thinking this amount. What are you thinking? I'm thinking this amount. And when you come to agreement, I want you to write it down. Because if you're not in agreement, it could end up bad for you. Come on. Holy Spirit, right now, I'm asking you to speak to hearts and lives. As we hold this up. God, we're believing you to speak to us right now. We're believing you to touch us. We want to we wanna give so that others around the world because we have the value that the Bible is a guidebook for living in. Because we have the value that every soul matters to God. God, we're asking you right now to let us sow a seed into the world so that our church can grow and be healthy the way you've asked us to be. God, if we're watching online, that you're just writing in that chat section or you're messaging that this is where I can give and this is what I should do. God, I'm praying and believing you. Pastor Brian and I are believing for $15,000 from this church. God, we're believing you that you would touch the lives of people. Speak to people in this place, God, 
that we would understand we're conduits to reach people for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Now, before you write anything down, would you just spend about three minutes asking the Holy Spirit what you should do? Thank you for allowing me to be here. We're going to be in the back to show you if you want to see some of those fire Bibles. But come on, will you ask the Holy Spirit that what you should give by August the 1st? And Pastor Brian is going to come, and he's going to finish out. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Hey, well, thank you for being here today. You may think you said, why would I come on a day that they're taking up an offering? I believe God wanted you to hear it. Listen, the one thing that will never return void is the Word of God. It just won't. It always comes. In fact, I, I, I'll be honest, Karen uh, 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 is not here today, but if uh, Karen Bardo is here, I'd let her take up an offering because she could tell you about the faith that God's been so faithful time and time again through missions giving and how she'll make a pledge and God will bring it in. It's just incredible. Uh, God's just faithful. I, I, so we want you to sow a seed. Uh, as the pastor, I, I, I told Sandra, I said, we need to do at least 10%. I think her faith was bigger than mine. She was going for bigger numbers. Uh, but uh, in fact, when I saw uh, Morgan, whenever they said, hey, how many Bibles you own? And she thought, uh, the look on her face is, why does Caleb have to have so many Bibles? That's what she was thinking at that moment. Uh, but for whatever it is. So here's what I want you to do. Uh, I want you to, uh, after you filled it out, you put it on an envelope. If you, if you want to put your offering in it, you can put your offering in it. Otherwise, just put uh, life for the loss or the initials, pledge or goal, or what your pledge is. And you can drop it off in the back. Uh, where they do it. If you if you don't want to get caught up up there, you can drop it off on the on the platform here. We'll pick it up. And if you have texted Luke to the number tomorrow after they count the offering and count the pledges, we'll tell you how much came in for Life for the Law. So we're excited. He is right. Our goal this year is fifteen thousand uh, dollars for Life for the Lost. Um, something God just put in our heart. So we're excited about this, and we believe God is going to do great things. Um, so, worship team, play them out as they get ready to go. If you're, listen, come back next week. Don't forget to sign up for a live group uh, and pick up your annual reports on the way out the door. They're on the right side and the fire bombs on the left. We love you guys. You're dismissed.